You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in and happy Tuesday to you or whatever day you may be listening to this Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard with you. Check out the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Tim, we got a lot to get to today. We're going to start with the quarterback situation because it's not pretty for Syracuse. Dino Babers has addressed some of the problems that we saw flare up in the loss to Pitt. And we're also going to get into a little stock up, stock down of what we've seen through the first two weeks of this Syracuse football season. But we start with the quarterbacks, and that's been the burning question. And I think we start with this question, and it's a simple one, but who is... Who should be the guy under center for the Orange moving forward? And it's amazing that we're having this conversation right now. It that really seems like is. something that, I mean, <laughs> dating back to, to Eric Dungy's senior year, at the conclusion of Eric Dungy's senior year, we would have thought we would not be having this conversation for at least three years. Yet here we are, and it's only been a year and a half now, I guess, since since Dungy last took a snap for the Orange, and this is Feels literally longer. the only thing on, on Orange fans' minds. But when I, I went back and watched the game, and I don't know if, if how much you've gone back and kind of retraced through yeah, everything. Yeah, actually, I saw something. I actually saw this on our one of our favorite websites, SyracuseFan.com, but there is a video out there on YouTube. I'd encourage people to check it out. It's got every single pass play that Syracuse ran against hmm, Pittsburgh. Okay. That would have saved me a up. lot of time. Yeah, it, it it saved. I should have forwarded it to you. I'm I'm a bad podcast co-host here because it saved me some time. I went through, and it goes from Devito to Culpepper, just as the game goes in chronological order, and it even gives you a little signifier to say, okay, Rex is in now. Back to Devito, Rex is back in. So if anyone has any time and they want to go through and see how the offensive line looked from their perspective, uh, either go to SyracuseFan.com, you can find the video on one of the threads, or I'm sure if you just Google like every pass play from Syracuse against Pitt and into YouTube, it should come up. Okay, well, maybe I'll check that out if I want to go through it a third time, but it's be interesting that you bring that That'd up. That'd be tough. Yeah, it, it really would be, <laughs> um, but um, just from what I saw after going back through the tape, and I'm I'm reiterating a lot of stuff that we said on the Monday recap, but DeVito, the accuracy is not there. The There's a clear lack of, of trust, it feels like, among receivers and quarterbacks right now. But when you dropped off to Rex Culpepper, the problem did not get better. And the, the comeback to that is, oh, well, they scored with Rex Culpepper. But I don't know about you, but from what I saw, that was the best pass blocking we saw for the entire day on that singular play and I think DeVito could have dropped that same pass and really any quarterback on the roster probably could have dropped that same exact pass and I'm not here to strip Rex Culpepper I mean at the end of the day you do have to make the throw but that's really the only throw I saw him make all day I mean the the other stuff some of the misses that he had on third downs fourth downs they were atrocious they were really really bad and is DeVito the answer at quarterback? I think for the time being, yeah, you, you just ha- kind of have to stick with them because unless you want to go soul searching through the third, fourth, fifth guy on the depth chart and 
We're going to talk to one of those guys who used to be the third, fourth, fifth guy on the depth chart tomorrow on the show because Zach Mahoney is going to join us to break down what's going wrong with this Syracuse football team and what's going wrong specifically at the quarterback system from a guy who's lived through this system and some others as well. But I'm I'm really intrigued to know what Zach thinks about this tomorrow. Yeah, and, me and I'm too. I'm really looking forward to that. But the problem, I mean... It seems like whatever DeVito's doing, Rex is doing a little bit worse. So to address the elephant in the room, I think DeVito should still be the starter, definitely. And I did find it kind of interesting how Dino phrased his answer to the media. Someone asked him, basically, I don't know if they point blank said, is there a quarterback controversy? But he gets into his answer along uh, after a question in the quarterback type mindset. And he says, I know you guys are going to throw out quarterback controversy and basically went in to say, Rex is going to get some packages. We're going to play the best guy, though, and we'll see, essentially. He did say Tommy is the starter, but it wasn't like, you know, if this is just a totally foolish quarterback controversy in a coach's eye, I think he would come on and be like, I I got to Like, he would stand up for DeVito and say, Tommy DeVito is our starter. Tommy DeVito you, you is our do what starter. Anthony Lynn did. Did you see what Anthony Lynn did today, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers? No, I missed that. But So he, when he was asked about the, the quarterback situation out in L.A., because obviously Justin Herbert came in on Sunday and, and played phenomenally and almost knocked off the defending champs because Terod Taylor was ruled out of, of the game like right before kickoff because he was having some chest pains. And basically said there was a lot of things out there that we wanted to accomplish that didn't get done. And Justin's a backup for a reason. The kid wow. went out and threw for 300 yeah, yards. That's... And when I hear that, I mean, talk about someone who that was just so off putting to me. And I think America really got endeared to Anthony Lynn through hard knocks and everything that went on in the off season. But uh, that, that wasn't it for me. All right. I, I if I'm the yeah. chargers, I mean, Terod Taylor was—he has been a backup his entire career for a reason, and he's only a, a was a starter because of circumstance. It felt like, but um, in terms of that, I think the logic does apply, and and that's probably what Dino was essentially saying without the harshness. I mean, because I mean, Lynn didn't need to say it in that manner. He, yeah, I don't he think he has to. Yeah, you yeah, can say, well, hey, we left some points out there, or hey, I mean, there were still a couple things here or there that could have been cleaned up, but he's a backup for a reason. I think, but that's what most coaches think about when they do have to answer that question for, I would say, 95% of the time. I would just say that DeVito, or rather, Babers comes out and he doesn't outwardly like completely deny that there is a quarterback controversy. He's not totally firm. So if we want to speculate read between the lines and try and figure out what is the coach speak that he's given us there mean to me, it means that DeVito is struggling. Now, someone did ask him later on in the press conference, why is DeVito struggling? He said, I'm not going to use you use struggling. I I wouldn't use that word. So who knows? Yeah, I think, I think everyone would, Dino. I mean, let's, let's take off the blinders in that regard, but Watching back the film, I would say what struck me the most is Rex Culpepper, as you said, is very inaccurate, with the exception of that one pass to Taj, and it's just so funny that Taj broke free against Pitt with Clayton Welch as the backup quarterback, and then he does it again against Pitt, and 
It's Rex Culpepper, but for whatever reason, Tommy DeVito, who's supposed to be this wonder kid when it comes to a deep ball, just cannot. I mean, can we talk about, like, where is this deep ball gone? Yeah. Where's and, the and deep the ball from UNC? That's the most frustrating because he hits one or two of those, and I don't think we're having this same type of conversation. Oh, we're, yeah. We're saying, okay, he's struggling a little bit. Maybe the quarterback play isn't exactly where we want it to be right now. But he does have some of those big plays that kind of compensate for it. And the accuracy isn't there. I mean, even some of these plays over the middle, he's thrown behind guys. He's completely missing some guys. But the deep ball, that's something that you thought is from some of the other performances that he had, especially as a redshirt freshman, the deep ball was not something that seriously was a have to worry yeah. about. But the, the arm strength, I mean, he's overshooting these guys. I mean, I'm not going to deny the arm strength. He's got, the He's got talent. We, yeah. we can see it. We see it on every single overshoot that he has when he's looking for Harris or, or Queeley down the field. But the accuracy with that deep ball ha- has been unbelievably troubling. And if that doesn't get fixed up, I mean, literally that might be the only, if you can fix one thing, if you're this I'd say pocket presence. Frankenstein right now. I see what you're like, saying. I, I think... Like the pro- pocket presence has not been great, but if oh, I have it's to pick been one terrible. thing, well, let's I'm, not I'm probably picking it. the deep ball. Really? I, I think I would pick the deep ball because that eliminates a lot of your problems if he can get some of that deep ball accuracy. I think clearly this has proven that pocket presence for DeVito is his bugaboo for sure because when he has a clean pocket, I guess it still hasn't been great, but... It's just when the pocket folds around him, he has no awareness of where his safety valves are or where that running back that slips out is or the tight end, which everyone's calling for the tight ends to get more involved. DeVito, when you watch back the tape, he has the tight ends open a couple of times. He also has the running backs in the flat slipping out open several times, at least to get in their hands and see if they can make a play outside of just a dive right up the middle, which we know has not been working because the offensive line can't get penetration. But sticking with the quarterbacks, what I noticed was Rex gets the ball out much quicker, but he's much more inaccurate. That That's basically the long and the short of it for me. Is and Rex, part of that too is he probably feels rushed back there. And yeah. Because he, he watches everything that happens with the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, he knows right. that he's getting hit in in three seconds. He's got three seconds to get rid of that ball. And for a guy who has not seen a lot of live game snaps, I mean, think about this. What, he's only started, I believe, just one game outside of the, uh, or in his entire quarterbacking career. He's taken some snaps here or there, but I think he's really only played in one game start to finish, if I'm remembering correctly. It was the the Boston College game at the end of the 2017 season. It was supposed to be Zach Mahoney's last start, and it ends up being... Rex Culpepper getting a spot start because I believe it was injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- I that's what I have really struggled with is, is, I mean, this was a guy who wasn't necessarily brought in to be a quarterback. Either. No, he went to special teams too. Right. For a brief yeah. period in between that. So that's as a lot. He was a tight end too before. Yeah. If you look at just his throwing motion and how the ball comes off. There was even one, his first play he's out there as a completion, I believe, to Nikeem to the right side. It's literally the very first play after DeVito gets banged up. That was a wounded duck. I mean, he got it there. It's a completion, but it's wobbling. And, you know, DeVito will never do that, at least. Now, (laughs) it's tough because 
Culpepper also hit the one deep ball, and he was one for one on deep balls, essentially, to Taj Harris. DeVito is what, 0 for 30 at this point on deep balls to Taj yeah. Harris? It just makes no sense to me. So I think that's getting glossed over is what happened to Tommy DeVito's deep ball, and how how do we get this back? Like, is it just a matter of him hitting one throw and then the confidence comes back? Because that was such a strength coming in, and that's what everyone was raving about. And it's always been something that he's loved to do. If you go back and watch that UNC game, which I, I know you went back and watched it recently. I went back and watched it. If you hate yourself, go back and watch it. Because, I mean, think about Sometimes you need just a good hate watch every once yeah, in a while, right? right? Like, sometimes you do. Oh, after that game, I thought he was the next Donovan McNabb. Maybe not me personally, but it was at least out there that this was going to be a great stretch of football for Syracuse, and the Dino Babers era was off and running. And it's just, it's kind of like thinking back on things before COVID, and it's like, wow, like, were we way off there? Things have really changed. That's obviously not to put any of the COVID stuff in lightly, but it's just like, holy cow this has fallen off a cliff for Syracuse football, and it's kind of hard to wrap your head around sometimes. All right, I've got a couple more thoughts, but first I got to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. You know, in today's world, you've got to make a lot of tough decisions when it comes to maintaining your car. But sometimes there's an easy answer right in front of you, like starting Tommy DeVito at QB. And that's the simple choice that rockauto.com provides for you. Rockauto.com, unlike all the other chain stores, does not offer you different price tiers for different parts. No, you know you are getting the lowest price when you go to rockauto.com. It's a family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and you can get thousands of parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything, whether you need an engine control module, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even just a new carpet because you've been driving around so much and kids are practicing their fall sports and getting into the swing of things. You can get it at rockauto.com. The website is super easy to navigate and the catalog is seamless as well. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as well as do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you again right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com with the quarterback situation to what degree do things have to go wrong for you to start looking at, okay, what what can Dylan Markwich do? Can well, can Jacoby and Morgan do some of the things out there that is asked out of our offense? Is, is that something that is even on your radar at this point? Because to me, it's not there yet. No. But two games, three games, like what, what kind of leash are you looking at there? Honestly... And I know a lot of people out there are probably going to disagree with this answer. I think it's kind of silly to entertain the freshmen. I I just don't see them being the cure. Like, Dino has an interesting quote at the end of his press conference from uh, this week, and the one that we're referring to where he's talking some Georgia Tech and talking about the quarterback controversy. He says, "I'm, I'm looking forward to the day we come out of the clouds and everyone sees our smoke. To me... That day can't happen without Tommy DeVito being the quarterback. Like, given what the roster is right now and how young those other options are and then how 
Rex is and what we've seen from Rex, they're not coming out of the clouds and proving everyone wrong with Rex Culpepper, Dylan Markowitz in his first year, Jacoby and Morgan in his first year at Corbin. I, I'm sorry, I love Morgan. I, I really like Markowitz. We had him on this podcast. I think he's great. I think he's got a great head on his shoulders, everything. He was definitely un, underrated as a recruit in my eyes. He's still a freshman, and to put him in that moment would be asking a lot, especially in an all-ACC season where you're going up against good pass rushes with the poor offensive line, wide receivers who haven't been able to get open and can't really block once they do the screen passes to wide receivers. I, I'm i not there yet, and I don't really see a point where the freshmen get any playing time this year, at the quarterback spot at least. But I think we will continue to see Rex in some packages, and I'm all for that. Why not at least bring him out there in the red zone or something? I know he failed miserably in that red zone play and that botched, but... I mean, let's let's change it up. The red zone isn't working as the stats bear out, so I'm fine with putting them in some packages, but I'm not at the point, and I don't really see a point this year where the freshmen become the, the quarterback that trots out as the starter. I think there is a threshold, though, because at some point you've got nothing to lose, and that point might be, okay, what is this team? 0-7, 0-8, like if it does, or maybe not because of the Liberty game, but if it does get to that point where you haven't won a conference game and you're looking at November on the calendar, I think you really have no choice. Yeah. You you really have no choice at that point, especially if the offense, I think I saw a stat today, they, they are the least explosive offense in all of college football right now, which is, is not oh, surprising yeah. to me. And if anyone has watched this team, that should not come as much of a surprise to them either. Yeah, I saw it. I saw. Let me just give you this stat real quick because it baffled me. It said Syracuse is the worst team in the entire country, 2.6 yards per play. They're half a yard behind the 46th team and a full yard behind the 45th team right now. And basically only two games in, but the stat goes back to 2003. The worst was 3.0 yards per play. They're at 2.6 yards per play. Wow. So if, if you want to like you know, extrapolate it. They are one of the, they're the worst offense yards per play in college football history or since 2003. Now, obviously I'm exaggerating because it's been two games, but that was also on, on Syracuse fan, our favorite website. So shout out to whoever posted that in the thread. And I think what probably on Thursday or Friday, we've got a little laundry list of some of the concerning stats that we have seen through two weeks. So we're going to go through some of that stuff later on in the week, but I think the most frustrating part to me about this offense is that didn't it feel like when Dino Babers came in and especially those first couple of games when you saw things kind of flow in it and the first couple of years really, it felt like quarterback was a plug and play position, right? It felt like the quarterback position in this new, I guess, gadgety high tech offense, this shiny new offense it felt like the quarterback position was kind of like what we see at the running back position in the NFL where you can just put anyone back there and, and they have a chance at success and, and they can go out and throw for 400 yards or throw for three touchdowns or move the offense up and down the field in a minute drive that goes three plays. But this year is just proven that maybe this is not a plug-and-play offense because, I mean, we've seen it. Zach Mahoney was a was a... Juco guy, a walk-on for this team, and he went out and has one of the most prolific offensive games in Syracuse history. Eric Dungy's one of the best statistical quarterbacks this 
program has ever seen. And then Tommy DeVito, he was fantastic coming off the bench cold, and he just came in and picked up kind of right where Dungey left off. And you figure, and that's why I kind of bring up this thing, this question of, okay, at what point do you look towards the the Dylan Markowitz or the Jacobian Morgan? Because this offense, it kind of felt like was plug and play, and now it's less and less so looking like that. Or is it just the wrong parts is is maybe like the the DeVito and the the Culpepper are they just the outlier to this entire equation and and maybe you are going to find something if you plug and play one of these younger guys yeah i i'll be interested to talk to Zach Mahoney about that and how he feels about the quarterback position tomorrow when we have him on the show i it's a hard thing to answer you know we're going to get into stock up stock down in a second Maybe I should have put Eric Dungy stock up because honestly, since he has left the program, the more you reflect on 2018, the more it leads you to how valuable Eric Dungy was and how, you know, after 2018, we thought DeVito is actually probably going to be better for Dino's offense than Dungy was. Everyone thought that DeVito's arm talent was just so much better. And it's more equipped for what Babers wants to do, and he wants to spread it out wide and throw and go, 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 and Dungy didn't have that. Well, obviously it hasn't panned out that way, but that goes back to why I think you still count on DeVito as a starter going forward, because it's in there somewhere. And in order for Syracuse to salvage this season, it it just comes down to how can we get DeVito out of this mental funk? How can we get him back to 2018? And if it hadn't happened before, maybe I would be like, yeah, let's go for Dylan Markowitz. I've seen enough. I I have seen enough. So it's tough because I totally get if they're 0-5, 0-6, I'm all for just throw out Morgan or Markowitz. I also feel like DeVito is the only quarterback that can get us truly out of this hole because he actually has the arm talent compared to Rex Culpepper. Right. And I think you're right in that capacity that he's the only one that can dig them out of this but at some point you do just have to see what else you've got in your toolbox if you're Dino Babers and if you're Sterling Gilbert because who knows maybe one of these other guys can do something and they are sort of a hidden gem sort of a a Zach Mahoney type and it'll be interesting to see what Zach says about all this stuff on the show can tomorrow. we just get and, Justin Lampson to come in now? yeah <laughs> want to reclassify like do a, yeah, an early enrollee Sort of deal, um, but yeah, no, that would be that would be really nice. Um, anyway, though, w- one other thing I want to point out with Devito, and then we'll we'll get into our stock up, stock down. But I think one of the other concerning things that I found when I went back and watched this, and and you actually now I'm kind of glad I watched the full game because you would not see this in, in okay. your uh, the condensed game of of just the pass plays that you found. But I got the Spark Notes version. I was yeah, lazy. you did. <laughs> um, but yeah, every once in a while, when you get the Spark Notes version and, and you go in to take the quiz, there's always that one thing of like, oh, on page 67, this guy says this. What yeah. what does that quote mean? And to me, that right, the part that I'm trying to allude to now is it feels like there's a lot of times when Tommy DeVito doesn't know when to run like there are a number of times where he can probably leak out of the pocket tuck it and run or there are a number of times where he's running a read option even and he doesn't know when to keep it himself he doesn't know when to flip it and that's a problem too with this offense because it felt like Eric Dungy he was he was getting that that read option down he knew when to pull when to keep all that stuff when to throw out of a or RPO to all that stuff. And I think that's the concerning thing with this offense is that 
you're missing that dual threat guy like Dungy. And I'm not saying that DeVito can't run because I think he definitely can. When he does tuck, and even on some design quarterback draws too, he he does tuck the ball and run pretty well. But there are also a number of times when you watch him and he just doesn't have the, the, the awareness. The football IQ, I guess, is a little lackluster in that department. And that alone can, can really set you back on, on some downs too because you that that right there can be the difference between okay on a second and seven we end up with a third and one or a first down or we end up with a third and nine and you know, that's something that's going to really set this offense back if that continues i i kind of had an epiphany the other day i was watching the nfl and i think it was russell wilson against my pats he threw a pass and got decked to the ground. You know how there's always those plays from a quarterback where it's like he stands in the pocket, takes a hit, and they show the replay afterwards, and it's like, man, he took a lick, but like props right. to him for standing in there and throwing that dart. When mm-hmm. have we seen DeVito do that? It kind of hit me like, has he ever done that? I, I can't recall it. He's time. like Brady. He's like Brady and yeah, Brady. Yeah, he's just, running. You, yeah, you, you go right. for it. And Brady's 43, so at least he's got that as an excuse a little bit. And then the other thing that we never see from DeVito, and this probably is a byproduct of college football a little bit too, but when has he thrown a deep ball and drawn a pass interference? It seems like he doesn't get enough air under the I ball. I think there's, well, to, to that point that you're bringing up, I think there are a couple that have gone uncalled this year. Yeah, Like there are a couple of the Taj that I think should have been called and he hasn't been given the benefit of the doubt. And we've kind of talked about this too, especially in week one, it felt like the whistles in all of football, I mean, college, pro, everything felt like the whistles were really down and that might be a, a product of that. And I know in the NFL, especially the holding calls, those have been way down year to year, but I'm wondering, yeah, I, I think you are, you do have something there. Too. Yeah, because he always um, overthrows him. So you're never going to get a PI by throwing it two feet too far. Right. And, and again, it, it is better, I think, to overthrow than, than to underthrow. Oh, but yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, I, I'm totally with you there. You don't, you have not seen them get that, the big pass interference penalty. And maybe a little bit of that's on the receivers. Maybe they need to sell it a little bit better. But, it is a two-way street in that capacity as well. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into some stock up, stock down. What have we seen through these first two weeks? And who are some guys who have maybe overperformed a little bit and some guys who need to step it up if this team wants to win a couple ACC games in 2020? That is coming up next. All right, so Tim, we have now endured two tough, tough weeks of Syracuse football. <laughs> so bad, in fact, that did you see this tweet? I saw this come across the wire from Seth Goldberg. And he said that this week's game against Georgia Tech is not expected to be broadcast in Syracuse because of a conflict with the Yankees game. Again, some of these college oh, football no. games and these RSNs, so the game is on yes, but there's a conflict with the Yankees game, and since the Yankees obviously override on the Yankees Entertainment and Sports Network or whatever the the acronym stands for. That's got to be it, right? That's got to be the acronym. I, I think that's got to be it. I pride myself on being able to guess acronyms pretty well. But since the Yankees will be having a game at the same time as Syracuse, the game will only be available through the Fox Sports app, or if you want to Listen to it on the good old-fashioned radio as well. Oh, you can gosh. get it that way. But That is brutal. So yeah, it'll be delayed. So I mean, it, it, reminds me, it reminds me of the Chicago Blackhawks 
And once upon a time, the Blackhawks, actually not once upon a time, this was actually fairly recently, I believe. I think it was the early 2000s, maybe even mid-2000s, but the games were not broadcast. They were blacked out in the city of Chicago because attendance was so far down that they wanted to drive people into the stadium if they wanted to actually consume the game. And again, we're living in a time now with nobody going to these games and although yeah so nobody going to the games because this game is going to be the the opening for the new carrier dome which i don't know if you've seen some of the pictures of it tim but the inside looks, looks pretty pretty yeah. nice with uh that new scoreboard and the the new roof and all that stuff and just felt like there was some light injected into that old old yeah. building so maybe that'll inject something into that syracuse offense as well but yeah so the game not expected to be broadcasted in the Syracuse market. So that's probably a little bit frustrating for some fans. Anyway, yeah, I, I think we're going to get a lot of noon games this year too. Unfortunately. Yeah. It seems to be mm-hmm. heading that way already. And I don't see how it would change if you're the TV executives on that front. Yep. I'm totally with you there. All right, let's get into some stock up stock down here because there are a couple guys. And I guess we can start with the, the stock down for this team, because I think we had a lot more options to pick from there. But I'll let you start this one off. Hopefully, we we don't overlap. And if we do, um, especially in the stock down, I think we've got some other options that we can navigate around here as well. So (laughs) we're not going to do any of the quarterbacks for stock down because I feel like that's kind of the free space on the bingo card right now. But what do you got in your stock down? Who who are you going to start off with here? All right, so a lot of these I did relative to expectations, how I felt about the player going into the season. This one might surprise some people. Aaron Service stock down for me. I you know what something do you have I him, had him on my list too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we're both kind of thinking outside the box on that one. Well, I, let me give you mine. Okay. okay because yeah. actually, I didn't necessarily have Service. I just said the left side of the offensive line, and that lumps in Aaron Service and Chris Elmore. And I specifically wanted to target Elmore, but Service has looked very, very underwhelming as well. Yeah, when you watch back that video of all the pass plays that I was referring to earlier, Service gets burned a lot. Now, it is Pittsburgh. They have some great edge speed rushers, and they were throwing a lot at him. I understand it to an extent, but Service was supposed to be the guy that we were like, all right, at least we got him on the line, and at least he's kind of been there a while, and he can play multiple positions, and we can trust him, and it's the other guys that I'm worried about. I, I was pretty underwhelmed in his play, specifically against Pittsburgh. I'll be candid. I haven't really viewed North Carolina with a keen eye of just watching Aaron Service. Maybe he was better, but Pittsburgh exposed him a little bit, and that did not look like the offense. If that's your best offensive lineman, it's concerning because he got beat pretty badly. So I would say stock down Aaron Service. Yeah, I'm with you there on that left side of the offensive line, and I'm going to go to the guard spot with Chris Elmore and I will say this about Elmore he does a pretty good job in the run blocking like yeah when I'm a little you watch surprised him, you're going stock down for him well I, and I'll, I'll get to the, okay. the reasoning why in just a second but he actually has been pretty good in the run blocking and I think part of that has to do with the fact that he is one of the smaller guys on that line he is a little bit more mobile I mean for for God's sake, he's the only guy on that offensive line who really has a background in actually carrying the football. So he has that ability, and I think he does do a good job of getting some of those speed blocks out in front. But the thing that concerns me is in the pass protection. You look at a number of those sacks, or even some of the ones that aren't necessarily his guy, 
but he is getting driven back by some of these defensive tackles and these defensive ends, and they're really taking it to him, or even some of these linebackers that it feels like are pushing him around a little bit, and that's really concerning to me, but also what's concerning to me, and I get that there's blocking schemes and all that stuff, but there are a number of times where he just touches nobody. I mean, you, you watch <laughs> That's some good. of these games, and, and it's not that someone's blowing by him. It's just that there's no one matched up on him. And to me, if that happens once or twice, okay, like it's probably a blocking scheme thing. But when you're seeing that pop up on your screen five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, then that starts to make me question how well he knows the schemes and, and some of these things. Because I've I've seen too many times where... Some of these guys are are coming through the middle and you see Chris Elmore kind of leave a a defensive lineman or a linebacker to Jawar Jordan or Markenzie Pierre to pick up. And some of of the time, I'm sure it's completely warranted and that that is the assignment that they have to pick that guy up. But I do think that there are a number of other times too where he may just not know what's going on in the blocking scheme and he flat out misses a guy. Yeah, I don't think it's good if an offensive lineman isn't touching a player. That that seems problematic to me. I would say I'm a little surprised you said stock down for him because to me, I'm again kind of comparing this to relative to season expectations. He hasn't been that That's much fair. of a talking point. And I but think you it, can't yeah, no, I, I will say, and I get what you're trying to say there, but to me, and again, he's kind of he's the victim of bad. circumstance. Yeah. He he has not been good, but right. You're not putting him on there. Like you've got a number of other guys who at least have a little more experience of playing the offensive line. And if that's your best option there, and that's kind of glaring to me about what the the depth is at that offensive line position, but relative to expectations, sure, he probably is about where we would expect him to be at. A liability on the offensive line, but you yeah. cannot have liabilities on the offensive line. And they've got a lot of them right now, unfortunately. Who do you got for who else do you have for stock down? Okay, so my other one that I've got, I've got a number to pick through here, but I will, I will, <laughs> I will go with my guy, my one of my favorite guys on this Syracuse football team on the offensive side of the ball. It is Aaron Hackett. The numbers obviously have not been good, and I think part of it is that byproduct of what Sterling Gilbert is on offense as a play caller, because he's a guy who his history says that we don't really use the tight end position a whole heck of a lot. And that, to me, is very concerning. We even saw this, and this came out from David E. Barry at Barry the Lead. He says, uh, he quote-tweeted Brent Axe, and Brent went out and tweeted, Dear Sterling, I'd like to introduce you to your tight ends. Please throw the ball to them. Sincerely, all of us. McNeese State tight ends last season. Six receptions, 35 yards, one touchdown. And this is coming from a, a tight end unit that a season ago accounted for nine touchdowns. So it, I guess you can kind of couple it up here and say stock down Sterling Gilbert right. and uh, Aaron Hackett. And But I, I would just like to see the tight ends utilized a little bit more because I know that they can make an impact in this offense. And we have seen them make an impact in this offense. And for them to not be touching the ball right now is flat out inexcusable. Yeah, it's stocked down, but it's not for anything that Aaron Hackett's doing. It's more just a victim of circumstance there. I will go kind of rapid fire and give you my last stock down's Ed Hendricks. Just haven't seen him a whole lot, and yep. the wide receiver room doesn't really appear to be all that great, honestly. It hasn't been a lot of wow factor in some of these routes and drops and plays I've seen. So kind of disappointing that a guy who we thought was really talented 
and ready to break out this year, just hasn't really been on the field much. And then my stock ups, I went Jeff Cantonarku at the linebacker yep, spot. He's I think on mine he's as well. Good and has been great really on all phases and is part of the reason why the the defense has actually exceeded expectations despite the team being really, really bad overall and 0-2 overall in the season. And then Sean Tucker stock up for me as well. I was kind of bummed that we didn't get to do our, our bold predictions because I know I was joking with you. He was on my bold predictions as a guy to watch out for that could end up getting a lot of carries by the end of the year, I thought. And who knows? I mean, it's early, but I think it could be panning out that way. He's done probably more with his carries and average per rush. I don't have it in front of me than some of the other backs. And he's made actually some cuts and some moves in the open field. So good on Sean Tucker for being just a freshman. And also, I saw he tweeted. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> he Magic Johnson know. tweeted. Yeah. He Magic Johnson <laughs> yes, tweeted. I was going to call it that. And we didn't even talk about this. That's amazing. That's what popped to my mind was a Magic Johnson tweet. He was... Anyone that hasn't seen it, I don't have it in front of me, go look it up. Find Sean Tucker on Twitter. It's hilarious because he's just like given the breakdown of his game and was like, I average 5.5 yards per rush. Maybe it's not that, but that's what I remember. Hold up, hold up. I've got it Okay, here. read it off. <laughs> it's a picture of him. I think he pulled it off of Syracuse.com. It's a screenshot of that. I started my college football career yesterday, carrying the ball a few times, averaging over 5.5 yards with my longest run being 12 yards. Unfortunately, we lost to Pitt 21-10, to 10, but I'm just getting started, double exclamation point. It's so odd, but I love it. Can we get those in-game yeah. updates every time? Like, this should become a thing for him i i'm so in on this it's i don't know if you you follow max homa the golfer right yeah on mm -hmm. twitter and he started doing this stuff where he's just like sarcastically being like giving the breakdown of his round and then saying hashtag golf and it's like he's going the complete opposite direction of providing takes he's just going magic johnson let's make <laughs> sean tucker do that that, that was yeah. great when i saw that on i twitter. love it that that feels like the the freshman carrying the lanyard right language yeah, in the pocket maybe. with the keys yeah i think that's what that's got to be all right my stock ups real quick i've got um michael jones obviously he's been fantastic but trill williams i mean the job that he's yeah. done some of the tackles that he's made and i'll actually couple him in with andre cisco because i think andre cisco's tackling has taken a, a massive step forward some of those plays that he made in the red zone i mean both of those guys are flying all over the field and we, we obviously have to give a little love to Jones as well because he's had a nose for the football. So I'm cheating here. I'm giving you three names. But all three of those guys really deserve a, a big, big stock up because, I mean, think about it from Trill's perspective too. This is a guy who he's using this as his audition to, to get out of this terrible situation he's in playing for Syracuse football. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to use his this to get to the league. dad doesn't seem happy on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> and... I mean, I think he's doing a really good job. I mean, he had the, he didn't get targeted the week one, and then this past week, I think he got called for a pretty bad. I, I don't remember if it ended up being a pass interference or no yeah, I remember contact. that he got a bad penalty called against him, and then he also was just all over the place making tackles and stopping plays short. So I was really impressed with him. I thought about putting Garrett Williams on here. Yeah, me but too. One thing that's bothering me about Garrett Williams a little bit. And this is kind of what what's weird too is that he's playing shallower than Trill Williams in coverage when he lines up at the line of scrimmage. He's playing a little shallower. He's probably in about a yard from where yeah, he's Trill a physical is. guy. Maybe it's the the camera angle I'm seeing, but he is also always letting the play happen in front of him. You'd figure a guy who's a little tighter, likes to play a little more physical at the line, would be getting beat over the top. 
But and yes, he's getting targeted a, a lot, a lot because he is that freshman out there. But he is also it feels like the play is always happening in front of him. And there's yeah. always a lot of catches made in front of him. And to me, I want to see that change a little bit with him. So I'm not ready to give him the stock up quite yet, although I do think he has outperformed his expectations. Um, but I, I do want to see a little bit more uh, of that, uh, of not letting that play happen right in front of him before I give him that full stock up look. All right, that's going to do it for us here on this Tuesday edition of the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Be sure to tune in tomorrow and Thursday because we are going to have can't miss stuff with a guy who has gone through this offense. He is going to tell us what is broken right now with the Syracuse offense. It's the one, the only, the officer, Zach Mahoney. So he will be joining the show tomorrow and Thursday. Cannot wait to get his thoughts on the Syracuse offense. So we will do that with him tomorrow. For Tim, I'm Tyler, and we will talk to you guys on Wednesday.